Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Noel. Our colleague Matt Frederick is still on adventures. Uh, He sends his regards. He will be returning soon. They call me Ben. We are joined as always with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. More importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. It's our listener mail episode. And this one's going to be a little bit different. If you heard our strange news episode, uh, Matt was able to uh, somehow get back on the grid for a second and send us a, uh, a story that he wanted us to share. I uh, hope we did right by him. And in this episode, uh, Noel, you and I have each uh, brought a story of our own or a piece of correspondence, but we're also probably at some point, just, just in Matt's honor, uh, we're we're going to read out some social posts that we found interesting or amusing, or in one case, immensely relieving, to be honest with you. Yeah, and those will be coming from our Facebook group. Here's where it gets crazy. You too can get crazy on Facebook with us. 
the stuff they don't want you to know, guys. All you got to do is look up Here's Where It Gets Crazy and answer a couple of basic questions just to let us know that you actually know what the show is, and then you're in. Um, and there's a world of great content on that page and a lot of great folks and great moderators, by the way. Uh, shout out to the mods of Here's Where It Gets Crazy. Um, but yeah, I don't think we've really done too many of these um, listener mails from the Facebook group. So this will be a good opportunity to mine that for some some golden nuggets. Yes, agreed. You know, uh, we always say that the most important part of this show is you, specifically you and our fellow listeners. Right. We're pointing at the screen. Mm-hmm. It's true. So today we wanted to pick up with, uh, with just a couple of things that were of interest here. We've been getting a lot of feedback about our exploration of faith healing and the science behind the placebo effect, whether it can work for uh, good, whether it can work for ill, uh, how much efficacy does it actually have? How much impact can the placebo of any given type, a sugar pill or whatever, how much can it have on the human body? And this inspired our fellow listener, Claire, to write in. Claire, you said, hi, stuff they don't want you to know, guys. I just listened to your episode on placebos and was curious as to whether people can suffer side effects from a placebo. For example, nausea, if they believe the medication they're taking, can cause this. Thanks, Claire. This is interesting. This is something we didn't really talk about. We talked a little bit about the, you know, what's sometimes called the nocebo, Mm -hmm. and we talked about how the mind is such a powerful part of the body that it is, you know, it is possible. There are proven cases of curses basically working because somebody believed that they had been cursed. Uh, But the question about side effects is pretty fascinating because we know that placebos have a measurable effect. We know that a placebo is not going to be a one-to-one substitute for, you know, actual medicine but we didn't we didn't talk about the idea of a side effect. So like imagine just to set the scene, imagine you have uh you have some kind of condition where you need to get a shot from from a doctor. And the shot you're given is actually a placebo, but they don't tell you it's a placebo. Instead, they give you the rundown of the various possible side effects of this medication. Like mm. you might have like writ large on the side of the bottle, or not to mention that rundown they do in those uh, really creepy TV ads for for medications, where it gives you like fifty different things, sometimes including like violent diarrhea and death. Right, right, right. And that's all happening while you see a slow motion thing of a, a couple frolicking in the park or someone just like laughing at salad. I've, I've, <laughs> right. I, I've totally, I've ruined, uh, I've ruined so many stock photos for people now because now that you have that image of a person by themselves laughing at salad, you are going to see it everywhere. It's like a trope. But well, yeah, I mean, you're right. salad is objectively hilarious, Ben. I mean, the fact mm-hmm. that it's still even a thing, it blows my mind. No, I'm kidding. Salad's great, but there is something <laughs> that funny looking about it. Like, I, I could see how it could tickle somebody in a weird pharmaceutical ad, you know, yeah. especially if they're being directed to laugh at salad. Especially if they're on whatever crazy medication they're on. I mean, the honest tagline for salad is salad. It's like cooking. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm kidding. Salad is, uh, gosh, it's a different rabbit hole. But one note uh, on, on the point you're bringing up here for pharmaceutical ads, a lot of people in the U.S. don't know 
those are illegal in most other countries. Mm -hmm. It is illegal to have those kind of vague pharmaceutical ads uh, with something that doesn't have a real name, but it sounds like it, like it sounds smooth. Uh, it sounds like it's a helpful thing, like good butrin, right? Or yeah, well, you know, there's a real one. I mean, there's there's well well butrin. Exactly. I love I love good butrin. Then there's like things like Selexa. It just makes it it makes me feel like I'm part of a select group when I'm on Selexa, like I'm in the in crowd. Or or uh, Lunesta makes me think like I'm gonna take a relaxing voyage to the moon. You know, pharmaceutically at least. Or or Lyrica. Which might as well be the name of a, uh, a a superhero with some kind of song power mm-hmm. in the MCU. But but yes, sorry, I'm getting us a little off topic here, Claire. But your question is wonderful because we have a clear, consistent, like definitive answer. Yes, placebos can cause side effects. Part of that may be due entirely to the power of suggestion. Like we said, the doctor gives you a shot. You believe it to be medicine. And the doctor describes the side effects of an actual medicine to you. Then your mind can play tricks on you or your, your body can exhibit some of those side effects. It's what's happening is similar to hypnosis. It's, it's not, we're not saying that these doctors or medical professionals are in any way purposely messing with you, but because of the connection between the brain and the body, if you truly believe you're receiving a treatment, then your body will react accordingly. So if you take some kind of placebo medication and you are warned that it will give you um, usually things like headaches, chills, nausea, maybe vertigo, depression, sleep disorders, even IBS, stuff like that. A placebo can do those things to you. It's, it's proven. Uh, this also, yes, for the Sith Lords in the audience today, first, as always, thanks for coming. Uh, but for the Sith Lords in the audience today, yes, this does mean that if you are a very unethical person, there is a way to mind prank your friends. You know, mind freak, is that was mm-hmm. the Chris Angel thing? Oh, the, yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, there's a way to mind freak your friends into exhibiting these symptoms by making them think you gave them an actual medicine. Do not do it. That's just, that's not what friends do. But I was surprised by this. It made me go back and think about any moments that uh, I or maybe you have experienced something like a placebo effect. I mean, Noel, have you ever knowingly had a placebo? Well, no, and and it's actually I'm I'm, I'm sorry I'm, I'm being quiet because I'm actually reading through this uh, report on medical news today um, about a study that came out in October of last year, um, and it's this uh, study that showed that um, medical research papers often do a poor job of describing the effects of placebos in these studies, and oftentimes placebos themselves have side effects. Um, so essentially, if they're under-reporting or like they're saying, okay, so the whole deal with a clinical study like this is if the placebo outperforms the drug being tested, then the drug is not effective. Or that, That's a very cut-and-dry way of looking at it. But uh, apparently, according to the study, um, some of the things they do to placebos include adding chemicals to make it taste more like or even feel like the active ingredient in the drug. 
So I think a lot of times people think a placebo is just like a sugar pill or like a saline solution of some kind. But in fact, in some of these studies, they actually do have medicinal properties. So that's a little bit off the topic, but it's interesting. And it came up when I was looking for placebo side effects. That was, mm-hmm. that was an article that came up and you can read that for yourself um, in a uh, uh, article written by Tim Newman on October 1st of 2019 for Medical News Today. But I don't know that I have been. I've certainly never participated in a clinical trial or a drug study of any kind. Um, but, you know, backing up to the listener's original question, um, can you feel side effects based on placebos? The answer is based on this report that I'm seeing, A, yes, you can, because sometimes the placebos themselves have side effects that are similar to the side effects of the actual active drug, and that's done by design. But when we're talking about the power of the mind, if you think that a drug is going to produce nausea or headaches, uh, you're more likely to manifest those things if you believe that those negative things could come from taking that drug. In the same way, the, no- the nocebo effect kind of describes the ability to manifest negative results from suggestion. Um, I highly recommend a uh, a British murder mystery procedural called Wire in the Blood um, that is uh, just really great and grisly and a really fantastic series in general. But there's an episode called Nocebo that specifically revolves around voodoo rituals and blood sacrifices. And I don't want to spoil it, but it's the name is, is gives a lot away. It's this mm-hmm. idea that oftentimes uh, belief enters into whether those things manifest or not. And that ends up being exactly what happens in the episode. But it ends up going a little deeper than that, more into what we're talking about here exactly. So check out mm-hmm. Nocebo from uh, Wire in the Blood if you've got BBC or um, maybe it's on YouTube or something. And it's somewhere on the internet. This also gives, gives you an opportunity to introduce a word of the day, psychoneuroimmunology. Mm. All one word, no spaces. Uh, studying the direct effect of brain activity on the immune system specifically. And uh, without having uh, a full grasp of the science involved, uh, we see some fascinating implications on, on the placebo effect here. The, and also to your point about the uh, lack of accurate measurement of the placebo effect in, in many clinical trials and other studies, uh, this is something that the Academy, capital A, is aware of, uh, but we're not sure exactly how to combat it. We know that we don't have a full understanding of the side effects of placebos, whether by design or whether through action of the individual patient's mind. Uh, and we know that it's hard to fully understand that problem if we don't fully understand how this stuff is being measured in the first place. And that's where we run into ethics. How, how much can you mess with someone's mind, a human being's mind? Uh, and how many deleterious or unpleasant physiological things can you make them do to themselves before you violate laws of ethics? It's, it's a weird question. Well, sure. It's like, does the whole uh, uh, physician's mantra of do no harm also apply to, you know, uh, researchers and clinical trial uh, operators? I mean, they're technically, they're scientists, but are they physicians? I don't know. This is, maybe I'm asking a dumb question, but, you know, certainly 
when you enter into a, a trial of some kind, especially if it's something experimental, you are signing some kind of waiver that uh, indemnifies you know, the, those that are doing the experimentation on you from any, you know, um, responsibility for what happens to you, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know that's not entirely, I'm probably oversimplifying that a little bit, but yeah, you're right. I mean, if you're, uh, monkeying with people's perceptions and especially if it comes to things like clinical trials for cancer, or maybe you enter into as a, someone who is suffering from a disease into a clinical study to try to try out some kind of experimental cancer treatment that's the thing we hear about oh Mm -hmm. i got my mother into a study oh Mm -hmm. i got my sick aunt into a study Mm -hmm. um and then what if they get the placebo you know like how how does that that just seems very uh cruel in a lot of ways agreed agreed and there's there's one last point uh before we move on to our next piece of mail uh this may interest you claire as well as all of our other fellow listeners who have been exploring the placebo effect The placebo, like a placebo treatment doesn't just have the capability to create side effects. This strange phenomenon extends a bit further. People can experience withdrawal from placebos. We have to remember addiction can be um, just as much a a mental condition as a medical condition. Uh, So while it may seem strange that something with no active ingredient could cause side effects, we have to remember it can also cause withdrawal. You can, uh, you can be taking a pill that does nothing for years and years and years, and then you f- will feel horrific and horrid after you are no longer prescribed that placebo. So there's power there. Yeah, it makes me think of that recent Softy Brothers movie with Adam Sandler, which is fantastic, but also like literally you're signing yourself up for a cinematic panic attack if you watch this movie. But I have personally seen it about three times. I know actually three times, not about. Um, But there's a character based on a real basketball player and played by uh, the basketball player himself, Kevin Garnett, who gets obsessed with this uncut gem, this uh, opal. And he borrows it from from Adam Sandler's character who runs this uh, this gem shop in the... in the Diamond District in New York City, and he believes that it will imbue him with powers to make him play better. And he does play better. So it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy. And then when he doesn't have the gem, he plays poorly because he's like addicted to this sense of uh, of whatever this thing does for him. And it's the same with gamblers, you know, when they, that's a big part of the movie too, where they have to have uh, a certain, you know, lucky coin or like a whatever, a pair of socks or something, or, you know, they make a bet in a certain way or bet the same numbers or whatever. Like all of these things, you call them superstitions, but there's power in these things. You give them meaning and then they become meaningful to your your brain. Right. And this, this leads us to so many other paths. It's something that we, we should do an episode on fully in the future. It reminds me of uh, Kurdecha, which I may be mispronouncing, K-U-R-D-A-I-T-C-H-A. It's a name for a kind of shaman in an Aboriginal mm. group in Australia. And the, from this practice, we have examples of what could arguably be called the fatal placebo effect. So check it out if you're interested, but you can also sit tight because we will do an episode on that in the future, uh, hopefully soon, because I've got to 
justify how, how many weird things I've been reading about this. So thank you very much, Claire, and everybody who wrote in on that regard. And now we're going to pause for a word from our sponsor, and we'll be back. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. And we have returned. So, uh, Noel, this is one uh, that really stood out to you, and I think it's I think it's an excellent question. You and I talked a little bit about this off air um, earlier. I don't remember how much earlier. It could have been like. Could have been like yesterday. Could have been the 1800s. I have no un, idea un, now. Un, unclear, dude. Time has has uh, lost its luster and and pretty much all of its meaning in our lives these days. Yeah, no. Uh, we 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 were we were talking about um, the screaming girls of Malaysia episode, which I think was one that stuck with all of us a bit because it it, it combines a lot of the elements. It actually combines 
the, the, the idea of a placebo effect even could be wrapped up in that topic where there's this power of belief and seeing somebody else experience something and, and feeling that as, as though you may be experiencing yourself. Um, these, these young women in the public schools in Malaysia, uh, it's, it's happened several times, have been stricken with these fits of, uh, of screaming and seeing apparitions and almost like a sense of possession. And then we dug a little deeper and realized that these parts of what is it called, Ben? Peninsular Malaysia. They're a little yes. more rural. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are. It's the most religious parts of the country, a country that's already pretty religious. Um, and so there's a sense of that power of belief just being particularly strong in this part of the country. Um, but we did kind of bring up briefly how they had some similarities to the Salem witch trials where um, individuals were essentially accused of witchcraft, uh, put on trial and, and killed uh, as a result of some young women um, f- acting as though they had been possessed and speaking very specifically about seeing certain things. And, and there are themes in, in that story where you can see it dramatically in, in the, the crucible, uh, the play. Um, but a lot of it ended up being like, oh, these girls were colluding in some way or they sort of saw each other behaving in certain ways and started kind of like copycatting a little bit. And um, that that was one of our theories maybe about what was going on with the, the Screaming Girls of Malaysia. But in historically speaking, um, something that comes up surrounding the Salem witch trials is the notion of environmental contamination. Okay, mm-hmm. we're going to get a little deeper in that. But first, I'm going to read this email from uh, Tanisha. Hello, I just finished listening to the Screaming Girls of Malaysia episode, and I'm really surprised that possible environmental toxicity wasn't mentioned. Surely outside investigators uh, have tested the drinking water, air pollution, and soil, and I would love to hear about it. Um, I thought you were going to bring it up after you mentioned the witch trials because I know that a common modern theory is that people were having hallucinations due to... uh, this is said to be the drinking water here in the email. Um, anywho, thanks for putting out a great show, uh, Tanisha, from right here in Atlanta. Um, and this is an interesting thing because it's it's definitely not something that I, I don't believe this is a definitive answer, Ben, to 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 what caused the the witch panic, the satanic panic. Yeah, ergotism, right? Ergotism, uh, and that wouldn't have been water. It would have been. Maybe so. It was something in in corn, right? Isn't it something that breaks down and uh, becomes almost a hallucinogenic substance? Or it's a, I'm sorry, it's like a, it's a plague of sorts that can affect crops, I I thought. But yeah, it's a fungus. So there's a nod to it in uh, one of the best horror films that came out recently, The Witch, Mm -hmm. uh, where the, where the uh, produce is contaminated. It can cause a, it can cause a condition called ergotoxicosis. Uh, really what's happening is people are ingesting the alkaloids produced by this fungus, which is called claviceps purpurea, not the, not the best name. Uh, it infects rye and other cereals, and it can cause things like uh, convulsive seizures and spasms, diarrhea, and it can cause mania, psychosis. Uh, it can also cause a, a, a really a really gross kind of dry gangrene. Mm. It's been proposed that something like that could partially explain uh, the outbreak of mass hysteria in Salem at that time. Uh, but I would also, I, I would draw attention to, to the idea of uh, St. Anthony's fire. This was, um, 
this was probably ergot poisoning. That's that's a theory where it seems much more likely than the the speculation for Salem. Uh, so St. Anthony's Fire is called that today because it was named after monks at the Order of St. Anthony. They were considered to be very successful at treating uh, this kind of gangrenous poison, which would cause... Um, it, it would just cause pandemonium. I mean, imagine you're already tripping balls, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then you see other people who are afflicted, but their physical bodies are changing. Like they're seizing up, arms are swelling or freezing. Right. Yeah. And, 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 the, and the young girls that I mentioned, uh, Betty Paris and Abigail Williams, were the sort of uh, patient zero, I guess, of, of the Salem witch uh, explosion. This, uh, this kind of like massive uh, spate of witchcraft accusations. Um, and they were exhibiting symptoms very similar to that. They had convulsions. And, um, you know, uh, essentially reporting having visions of sorts. And and you're not kidding, Ben, when you say this stuff makes you trip balls. It actually is it's fascinating the way this stuff works. Um, it, it can infect rye. Uh, the the grain that you grow, you can make bread out of, um, and it the way it works is this fungus, this ergot fungus, can grow and actually replace these shoots of grain um, from these rise for lack of a better way of, I am clearly not a, it's uh, grass. a farmer. Grass, R- okay, rise thank grass. you. There you go. Um, uh, with something called uh, scurlotia, and uh, scurlotia is a uh, persistent, according to the Britan- Britannica, a persistent vegetative resting spore of uh, a certain fungi. So it's um, essentially it's uh, dark in color. It can vary in size, um, and sometimes it can get up to four inches uh, in in length. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's definitely this the science behind this infestation. And um, there's another great article in, in Britannica that, that talks about the whole uh, potential for this ergot poisoning in the Salem witch trials. It forms typically after a, uh, a severe winter and a particularly damp spring. Mm-hmm. And this whole theory was put forth in 1976 by Dr. Linda uh, Caporeal, um of the Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute um, and found quite a bit of evidence that this could very well have been what happened, that this was a case of contaminated rye uh, that mm. would have been, you know, made into all kinds of foodstuffs, including bread. Yeah, there there are some issues. Uh, you're, you're right. 1976, that's the first serious proposal we have about this theory. In 1982, another historian, Mary Matosian, uh, talks about this as well in an article in American Scientists. There are a couple issues. Before we get to Malaysia, we promise you we're on the way to Malaysia here. Uh, before we get there, um, one of the issues with the Salem witch trial, for as far as this explanation goes, is that ergot poisoning has additional symptoms that were not recorded in Salem. Mm. Right. In some of this stuff, we know that it can cause uh, mental breaks and it can have these cognitive effects, but more people would have been affected by ergot poisoning from what we understand. It It would be likely, at least, that more people in the town would be affected and that they would exhibit some more of those physiological symptoms of ergot poisoning. That's not to say this didn't happen. It's just to say that, um, 
there would be additional symptoms and that the number of children who were afflicted, because we have to remember a lot of the, like Salem, we're talking about children. uh, There were fewer of them that would have been affected in any other ergot poisoning epidemic that we know of. And this, uh, this does put us in a great spot to ask about Malaysia too, because I, this is something I was wondering when we were prepping this episode, you know, different ways to explain this. We spend a lot of time in the episode, for anyone who hasn't heard it yet, exploring the sociocultural lens right. through which people experience these things. And then we don't spend, you're right, we don't spend uh, very much time talking about possible environmental contamination and what it could be. So it's not rye bread, that's for sure, but uh, it could be... Uh, it could be ergot transported through some other sort of vehicle, some other sort of carrier. But reading reading about pollution in Malaysia, exactly, mm-hmm. we find that it does have a very high level of air pollution. So, unfortunately, not uncommon these days. But uh, but that would that would appear to have impact on things like the lungs and the heart more so than mental function. That's right. Uh, I will say, though, I, I did find this is a little over my head, but I found a report on contaminants and the soil environment in Malaysia uh, from Y.M. Kanif and S. Salmija uh, from a larger paper called Contaminants and the Soil Environment in the Australasia Pacific Region. Um, and there, there is a, a, an abstract. We're talking about how Malaysia's, uh, you know, undergoing a lot of very quick development and rapid industrialization. Um, and agriculture is a big part of that. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of very fast growth in the agriculture sector. Um, and along with that comes increases in urban populations and creations of new urban areas. Um, and along with that, you know, sometimes industry outpaces, um, what's the word, Ben? Oversight or uh, regulation, right? And so there is a list of contaminants in the soil of Malaysia. And there's a particularly interesting column that talks about peninsula Malaysia, and it does appear that it does contain uh, some pretty high levels of some uh, some contaminants. Um, it's divided into several regions, Peninsula Malaysia, Sabah, and Sarawak. And I did notice that uh, in some of these categories, the number for Peninsular Malaysia uh, was a good bit higher even than some of the other uh, the other regions. Um, some of the specific contaminants that are listed, I am not familiar with, and they're certainly not household names. So I would definitely want to do some more digging into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does have to do with things that are specifically found in the soil and that, that could be considered uh, contaminants. So, um, and then I found an article in looking into this about how contaminants, well, maybe don't make you trip or, you know, have some kind of like psychotic episode, just basic environmental contaminants can have an effect on your mental health and just your like well-being. Lead. Like lead, absolutely bad. Yeah, I want to say also uh, in support of the point you're making, uh, we looked into drinking water in Kelantan as well because it seemed like that would be um, – a good place to start. Like that would be one of the most ubiquitous common vehicles of transporting and contaminant would be the air, the water, or as you said, the soil. 
And uh, we didn't find, I didn't find evidence of a hallucinogenic agent, but we do know to the fantastic point you just raised there, Noel, something doesn't have to immediately make somebody mentally unstable for it to have a long-term cognitive effect. This is where we introduce something that uh, may be familiar to our fellow listeners. As a matter of fact, some of us may be listening to this conversation and saying, I can't believe they're not going to talk about lead contamination and crime. This is related, if only tangentially. There is a long-running proposed link between elevated blood levels in children as they're developing and increased rates of crime later in life. We know the facts about lead. It's toxic. Uh, it's dangerous to multiple organs, uh, in the brain especially. And individuals who are exposed to lead at young ages do seem to be more vulnerable to learning disabilities, decreased IQ, ADHD, uh, lifelong problems with impulse control. Uh, so now there, there are experts who are proposing that lead contamination may have a possible long-term effect on various communities. There's still, you can see how that research gets complicated and very sticky very quickly. Uh, you'll see other studies contradicting it. But one of the reasons I think the question about environmental contamination in the case of the Screaming Girls of Malaysia is such a good question is exactly that. We do not understand the long-term effects of these, um, we don't understand the long-term effects of these contaminants. We could say with reasonable certitude that it's probably not ergot poisoning specifically because of the way people were affected and the length of time they were affected or when they recovered, etc. But we we simply cannot rule out some possibility of an environmental contaminant. That's where I'm at, at least. What do you yeah, think? I'm, I'm with you, Ben, and I want to just double back really quickly. The study that I mentioned at the top of the show, um, it, it was very in-depth and, and dealt with a lot of different types of, you know, acidity and, and different soils and stuff. So I, I don't want to couch that as, as evidence that necessarily that Peninsula Malaysia has higher rates of contamination than the rest of the country. But I will say I did find an article that does say that – Malaysia has significant water pollution problems, um, and that does stem from that rapid industrialization that I talked about that that study referenced. I mean, that holds true. Um, but it points out that Malaysia doesn't actually release individual values of river water quality measurements for uh, monitoring sites. It just releases it kind of on a spectrum in three rankings, clean, slightly polluted, and polluted, but won't really give you a breakdown of what materials are in the drinking water. So I think this is something that we probably owe it to ourselves and the listener to maybe revisit another time. Um, but I, I do think that you're right, Ben. This is not something we can absolutely rule out. Agreed uh, on all counts here. And thank you for raising this important point, Tanisha. Also, I believe that you are uh, you are a fellow Georgian. So it's, it's great to hear from uh, the hometown crew here as well. Um, this is something that we are going to have to spend some time exploring. So uh, I, I don't know what anybody else was planning for this weekend, but don't invite me to your parties. 
because I am going to be reading a lot about environmental contamination in different parts of the world. And let's see, let's see if we can find something there. In the meantime, we're going to pause for a word from our sponsor, and then we'll return with our, uh, I guess, our very first Matt Frederick tribute mm-hmm. segment. Okay. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. And we're back with the first ever semi-annual, hopefully, uh, I don't want it to be gone too much. We miss you, Matt. Uh, Matt Frederick Appreciation Corner, uh, wherein 
We also uh, make this a, a listener and um, a Facebook group member appreciation corner because we're going to pull a couple of comments from our Here's Where It Gets Crazy uh, Facebook group, which you too can be a part of. Just go to Facebook.com and, and, and search for Here's Where It Gets Crazy and you can be uh, part of the fun too and maybe end up on one of these. But you know what? I think it's not fair to only do this when Matt's gone. We should probably figure out a way to incorporate this in a little more uh, regularly. And I've got, I've got one. I think that's been uh, on a lot of people feeds um what's up with this ufo in jersey you hear about this uh this jersey ufo oh just uh, a little bit what's going on with it i mean you know hey, look it's it's <laughs> i don't want to like let the wind out of the sails too quickly but there were a ton of reports um originally on tiktok monday of the week that we're recording this uh, but yeah there were a lot of reports flying around the internet um this week uh starting with the tiktok user handle at baby jenny uh, who posted a video uh, of a pretty cool, uh, legit-looking UFO hovering over uh, New Jersey's Route 21. There were other people looking uh, at it from the side of the road with their phones up, you know, uh, and um, just kind of slack-jawed. And, and like I said, the way the, the video pans very quickly, it's kind of a whip-pan situation. You just kind of catch a glimpse of it, but it really does look like a broad daylight uh, little saucer situation just kind of hovering in, 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 in space um, up there in the Jersey sky. Um, and the video got 4 million views, more than, than 600,000 likes uh, in just a day. Um, and then uh, the truth came out, as it tends to do. Um, you know, it's always on the table that a, that a thing like that hovering slowly could be a blimp. But we heard the truth from none other than a representative from Goodyear. The blimp people. Oh, never, wait. Yep. Now I know this story. Yeah. The, the blimp people. They called into Insider and said, hey, uh, we were flying a new blimp in New York that day in northern New Jersey uh, on Monday to capture aerial footage of the NFL game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New York Giants, at the MetLife Stadium, which I'm assuming was only was populated by a little cardboard cutouts of people. Mm -hmm. Have you seen those photographs of mm -hmm. baseball? Mm -hmm. there's, there's one that was in the Bay Area where it was like, you know, this uh, insane Blade Runner sky, like just like, you know, desert kind of uh, sepia colored because of these wildfires. And uh, then all of these really haunting cardboard cutout people sitting in the stands watching the baseball game. I'll do uh, do one crazier. Yeah. Uh, in South Korea, uh, a company populated a stadium with sex dolls. And then they said they were just life life mannequins. Okay. There's a story of Strange News Daily on that one. Uh, what I think happened is that they wanted to buy mannequins, and they got a good deal, and uh, they didn't do enough research to figure out that these are clearly uh, sex toys in the stands. But, you know, everybody is, everybody is trying to make it work. Also, uh, shout out to Goodyear if you're listening. A number of years ago, I got very close to getting a ride on one of those blimps. It's a dream of mine. Uh, it's it's actually kind of kind of exclusive. You have to get invited. Did you know that? Like, you can't buy a ticket. I wouldn't imagine that you could. But it's it's also not like the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile that just sort of rolls around to different places and you can go in and check it out. Uh, definitely a little harder to get up to that Goodyear blimp. And, you know, can you imagine where you park a blimp? Do you moor a blimp? 
Is it, mm-hmm. Do you have to dry dock it? Do you sort of like tie it up and, or do you deflate it and then just inflate it every time you're going to use it? Um, yeah. I, I, that's what you do? Okay. Well, there's a, there's a rope that hangs down at all times mm. and there's a person in the ground who uh, is in charge of that that aspect. And so it's like, if you're in a blimp crew, you know, some days of the week you get to fly the blimp. Other days you have to be the person holding the rope. It's, a, it's, a it's like, it's, it's like an elaborate job. inflatable kite. Uh, yes, yeah. it goes up. Yeah, uh, but I will say the thing that's yeah. remarkable about the video, though, and you can literally hear people aghast, just saying, "Oh my god!" Just having their minds blown. It's got this little blinking light on the bottom of it that, like, is very uh, bright, and it's right in the middle of it, and it has the appearance of the thing at the bottom of the classic sci-fi UFO that beams people up. You know, that shoots up that wide swath of, of blue light, and then you get you get caught up in the tractor beam and pulled up to presumably have things done to your butt. Um, so I think that might have been what did it, because it also looks very symmetrical, and I mm-hmm. typically think of a blimp as being tapered you know like fat on one end on the front end and a little tapered on the back but it it really does look like a flying saucer and so i could see how it would have freaked some people out and and even when goodyear chimed in that that people weren't having it they thought that was fake news and continued proliferating this stuff on uh, on on twitter and facebook and Mm -hmm. i think finally now people are coming to terms with the fact that this was in fact a blimp uh and not and not a ufo yeah but Given all the research uh, and the revelations about state-level monitoring of UFOs, we know that something freaky is happening in the skies. Uh, that I'm also I'm referring to the U.S. program, but I'm also referring to Japan, which it turns out may have uh, been investigating UFOs for some time as well. Uh, Matt, if you are listening to this. I went through these things uh, and I was looking for some stuff that would be interesting to you, but also looking for some stuff that might give you a chuckle. So here's one that I thought would be interesting. This is the kind of thing that from Matt's perspective, I, I would I would imagine Matt being very, uh, very into exploring. And that is that the FBI has warned doorbell cameras like Ring can give an early warning of police searches. You saw this too, right? No, 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 no. Tell me more about it, Ben. I'll look up and uh, follow along, but this is news to me. Yeah, so this came through a uh, leaked FBI bulletin, and we found out about this courtesy of Joe B. on Here's Where It Gets Crazy. Essentially, the FBI didn't mean this to be public knowledge, but they said, ironically, the rise of the surveillance state is letting residents of a home that has a, you know, a ring camera or something like that, uh, it's letting them get a heads up if law enforcement is showing to conduct a search, which is kind of ironic given that the concern of a mass surveillance state is always being uh, vulnerable to some kind of search, right? Or uh, some lack of privacy. This reminds me of ways I used to love the GPS app Waze, yeah. and it did, it did something that really irritated law enforcement when it would let you know if there was a speed trap ahead and you could warn other people. Well, sure. There's even a little icon on Waze specifically for like a cop car. It's a little animated police car that shows up on your map, uh, and then you get the prompt 
um, which isn't entirely the safest thing in the world, whether to confirm or deny that that's still there. So it's sort of crowdsourced information about where these uh, law enforcement officials are, are posted up. I don't know, Ben, don't, don't you think it's sort of our prerogative to get an early warning if law enforcement are at our door, especially considering things like what happened to Brianna Taylor and, and, and all these unlawful no-knock mm-hmm. warrants and, you know, problems with the, the way warrants are served and people getting killed. I mean, I, I don't know. This seems like a non-issue to me. I, th- I don't I feel like I, I want to know uh, and be prepared. Right. I mean, consider the um, consider the murder of Catherine Johnston, who was 92 years old. Uh when when she was killed by police in her home here in Atlanta, Georgia. The real issue here is private service versus uh, public entity, right? Because Amazon is already blurring the lines with this. Uh, we know that they have aggressively marketed themselves to local police departments. And on March 17, 2016, the CEO of Ring, one Jamie Siminoff, uh, sent out an email with the subject line, going to war. Uh, and they said their new mission is to use consumer electronics to fight crime in closer and closer participation with public law enforcement. So the line is being blurred. Technology is disrupting the line between private and public entities. And I think that's that's the heart of the concern. If I buy, if I was the kind of person to own a ring or something like that, and it somehow didn't tell me when certain people were at the door, then in my opinion, it's a broken service. I shouldn't use it. I should get a refund. Uh, so there, that's one thing I thought would interest you, Matt. It, it is interesting. I, I wanted to just point out one thing from my, mm. uh, my experience. I used mm. to live in a place, um, two places before where I currently live, um, that when I checked it out, uh, somebody pointed out to me, that it probably used to be a drug house or perhaps a manufacturing house because there was a pretty conspicuous camera mount on mm-hmm. the top of the uh, of the like of the roof kind of that was like and, and and I don't know maybe that was jumping to conclusions but I understand that's almost like it does have sort of a reputation of like oh if you have a camera like that, you're trying to protect yourself from the cops or uh, you're trying to get an early warning signal or something like that, which is interesting to me, given the age of the, the Internet of Things and us wanting to have literally a camera in our fridge. Like, I, I feel like that's sort of an outdated uh, opinion, <laughs> but but it is something that somebody pointed out to me is, like, oh, see that camera? This place obviously used to be a drug house. I don't know. That's like if you have a beeper, you're either a doctor or a drug dealer, right? Mm-hmm. That's, or it's that's 1994. Yeah. Uh, no, still, I still, I think still, <laughs> but, okay. Uh, okay. but uh, I wanted to find on a lighter note, something that I thought would uh, give everyone a chuckle. That's a shout out to Owen D who posted the following statement. Nothing has felt the same since I learned that goats have accents and can't understand other goats from foreign countries because their accents are different. I gotta tell you, I, I have I've lost track of all the times I was in a place where people didn't speak English as the primary language, and I tried to like pet a dog or say hello to some <laughs> other animal, and it looked at me like I was an idiot because I was because I don't speak you know Kiche or something. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I've always been fascinated by the idea of animals having different flavors of 
of noise making sounds in different countries. But typically, I think it's usually relegated to just like the onomatopoeia version of it that you read in fiction, you know, uh-huh. or like a, like what is it? The like a, like a chicken in Germany, I think, says kikeri key. You know, whereas over mm-hmm. here it says cockadoodle do. It's all just it's all just how it hits your ear. You know, I don't think the actual animals have different accents, but who am I to say? I don't know. I think they do. I choose to believe that they do. Okay. I, <laughs> based okay. on very little proof. Uh, so let's see. I went I went twice in a row. Noel, you got one to uh, round out the day for us? Just a quick one from from Bob P uh, on the on the Facebook group. He posted a delightful meme. It says news reporter. Can you tell America why the Amish haven't been affected by coronavirus? And it's an image of a woman interviewing an Amish gentleman with his back turned to the camera. And then the Amish gentleman says, because we don't have television. There's Oof. a lot wrapped up in that. I just love uh, it. It's just, I, I, you, I don't know. It's, there's, a lot, there's a lot to Ooh. unpack there, which I just love. Oof. It's just, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well on, on that note, uh, Thank you. Uh, Thank you to Owen. Thank you to Joe. Thank you to Tanisha. Thank you to Claire. Thank you to everyone who has written in and helped make this uh, week's segment of Listener Mail possible. I massively appreciate it. If you want to be part of the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, As we've said, you can visit us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Check out our Facebook page. Here's where it gets crazy. Uh, You can also find us as individuals on the internet. You may find me on Instagram exclusively, if you wish, at HowNowNoelBrown. And you can find me on Twitter at BenBullenHSW. You can find me on Instagram at Ben... I don't know why I emphasized it like that. It's just another social media site. You can find me on Instagram at BenBullen. Uh, if you hate social media, you can give us a phone call. We're one 833 Uh You probably know the rules by now. Uh, three minutes. Tell us the truth. Uh, get as weird as you want. Uh, just let us know if you're okay with us using it on the air. If you don't want to do any of that, you can just uh, get in touch with us the good old-fashioned way by sending a nice old-school email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. 
Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.